Overreaction Monday, or is it? Welcome in. Patrick Johnson here. Thanks for being with us. Uh, hope your weekend, at least the uh, Sunday portion for many in Pirate Nation, was a uh, good one. I know it was a tough one on Saturday, homecoming, and losing to uh, Charlotte in the first ever meeting in a game where uh, you felt like uh, had there just been a little bit of offense, had there been some execution in the kicking game, the Pirates uh, would have pulled it out. And uh, I think while people wouldn't be elated, there would be a little better feeling than there is uh, right now. Uh, we do have Inside Pirate Athletics coming your way from Tiebreakers. That is coming up uh, tonight at 6 o'clock with Steve and I going myself, Coach Houston, so stand by for that. And we will have uh, Dimitri Ravanos, our friend, podcaster, uh, talking a little bit about uh, the football world with him. He's very happy his Alabama Crimson Tide won. Uh, but now our friend and colleague, Jay Sonalder, who has fit us into his tight window. Sonny's very important. Uh, I don't even think he takes any of my calls anymore, so we were lucky to orchestrate this. Jay Sonalder, ESPN college football analyst. Sonny, how are you? I'm doing good. You're more important than me. You have your own show. Well, okay, maybe, but uh, you've got you've got some kind of podcast you're on. So I can I you're a major star. You work a full football schedule. Come on, Sonny. Um, let me uh, let me uh, start with you know I, the defense. It's just what struck me Saturday was how polar opposite both sides of the ball are. Defense was flying around like they did. They held Charlotte to 10 points. There was sort of a, a bend-don't-break notion about them. They they rallied quickly and handled the uh, option that Charlotte was running and contained Jones from that standpoint, although he had a, a fantastic day, Jones did. I could see why Biff Pogey's so high on him. Uh, but then with the offense, it just to me, it seems like it's really stuck in the mud. There's just no spark, no oomph. Yeah, Flynn provided a little bit of that, throwing the ball late. Offensive line seemed to protect a little better, but you know, I also go back to Flynn was uh, the guy who had two turnovers that directly led to the loss to SMU in the sense that it was built up. So, uh, you know, they, they kind of put the fait accompli on it, sealed the deal. So I just, you know, the quarterback's a mess. Let's, let's just call a spade a spade. Uh, I'm concerned greatly and continue to be about the offensive line. I just haven't seen anything uh, and, and a lot of fans were talking about this, just not seeing anything that would be, you know, definitive. I mean, there's glimmers of hope, but I mean, that's really what we're kind of hanging on to right now. Yeah. I mean, it's tough right now. And obviously when you're not winning, everything needs to be evaluated and everything has to be addressed. Uh, we're one in 16 right now. So there's got to be a lot of improvements in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, speaking of the offense, and I played offense, I, I think one area that, that you can see is there's just not a lot of confidence out there. And, and there's, a, there's a reason for that because there hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been a, a lot of success. And, and I just think for the players, they need to create an identity. Like the whole offensive staff and the players, there has to be identity. Was it, is it going to be a throwing team? Is it going to be a running team? How, what is it going to be? And, and I just think with, with kind of what we've seen thus far and kind of the struggles at some of the, at some of the positions and, and what's been going on. I think we need to turn this more into a situation where, Hey, listen, we're having trouble running the ball. We're having trouble passing the ball, but what's going to make it a success. I think we've got to limit the number of throws and turn this more into a situation where, Hey, listen, offensive line, let's put in two tight ends. Let's load it up 
and let's run the ball more, then take fewer shots, but just turn this into a situation where we're running the ball and have that identity where, hey, guys, listen, offense line, running back, tight ends, we're going to make sure that we're going to give you guys ample opportunities to run the ball. You better toughen up and establish a line of scrimmage. In that way, the guys know, hey, listen, you know, it's on us. And that can shorten the games down because right now, you know, we're not able to score a lot. We need to shorten these games down. And if we do throw the ball, if we're putting in more two tight end sets, if we're running the ball more, that can open up play action pass. And I know, you know, an answer could be, hey, we need to throw it more. What if it's third and long? I just think that we need to get Mason involved more in the running game, maybe the option as well. Yeah, like a speed option maybe that like Charlotte ran with Jones on Saturday. Exactly, exactly. But if if, if you have more of an identity of, hey, listen, we're going to limit the number of throws and we're going to run the ball, I think that maybe that'll maybe put some more pressure on the O-line. If you put in two tight ends, you know, again, that's going to help protect the running game and maybe can open some things up. And at the very least, that'll maybe change up looks that defenses haven't seen this year. Uh, there's no simple solutions at this point. I mean, you know, we're, we're harping on the offense, but the kicking game didn't execute. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a lot here that can be dissected. You know, I, I just think now you, you got a trip to Texas San Antonio. Uh, remember the Alamo because uh, I don't think this is a last stand, but gosh, uh, I just think, I think with homecoming, a decent crowd, uh, you know, people, beautiful day. People are still motivated. Uh, you know, it's going to be a shame what, uh, what might, what, I mean, I, I just don't know. I've, there's just a lot of frustration. Like I said, I was up there talking to a lot of folks Saturday and just a lot of frustration. I know some people are concerned about what the crowd will look like, you know, at the university level on uh, next, uh, you know, two weeks from this past Saturday when Tulane comes. And I mean, Tulane is a really solid football team uh, and, you know, not unbeatable, but solid. And it's if you walk into a situation where there's no environment, well, Tulane will be right at home for sure because they <laughs> consistently play in a uh, situation where there's no environment uh, at home. But uh, I mean, I, I I mean, do you just do you do you maybe think outside the box here? I mean, I, I know you can't recreate yourself in some respects, but I mean, what do you do, Jay, to to just get out of the mud and, and make sure everybody's still pulling in the same direction. Well, that's the, that's the key right there, because when you get to October and November and things aren't going well, we're standing at one and six, that's the biggest concern more than anything else is just making sure that everybody still is motivated in. I mean, of course the team's going to work hard. Like those, those, everybody cares, but you just have to make sure that, that everybody stays together because it is tough. I mean, I've been on teams where, similar situations it's it's hard when you're not winning the reason you play football is because you want to win and when you're not winning it's tough going on the road I mean maybe this will be a um, kind of a fresh start here being on the road and I just think at this point you've got to look for ways to create sparks whether that's putting in new guys whether that's just completely changing schemes up whatever that may be maybe maybe even pulling back on the guys at practice you know obviously we're not inside the wall so we don't know exactly what's going on but I do think you need to, whatever that is happening, you need to evaluate it and potentially change something. Maybe that means, you know, changing up, going in pads more often or going in pads less, off, less often. Do something just to, to kind of throw 
throw a change in what's going on and hoping that'll create a spark. But I mean, I think the other thing is, you know, as far as keeping people on the same page, of course that's important, but you got to make sure these guys are, are still enjoying coming to practice every day and, and going up there because I'm telling you, it's tough when you're not winning and I know they're working hard, but you got to make sure that, that they're still in this for the rest of the season. All right. Uh, Jason, our window with him is closing. So I want to give uh, Sonny a, a quick chance here to talk about any of the games that he saw from this uh, weekend that he thinks, uh, you know, anything that happened this weekend he thinks is uh, relevant. The weekend takeaways with Sonny Sunholder. What you got? Uh, a couple takeaways. Michigan, I think they're the best team in the country. And we played them week one, but destroyed Michigan State. It wasn't even close, and they've got – you know, questions going on with the NCAA stuff, and it didn't matter. So I think Michigan's the best team in the country. I think they're better than Georgia, and they're my pick right now to win the national championship. Next takeaway is a team many people thought would be in the playoff, and we talked about them last week, but USC has proven to be you know a fraud. They don't play defense. They have trouble with Utah because Utah's tougher. They lost two last year. They lost again this year. Notre Dame was tougher, so – even though you have a Heisman quarterback, you have to play defense and you have to be strong on the offense and defensive line. And, you know, they've gotten a lot of hype because of what they can do throwing the ball, but you, you've got to be tough in order to win. So they're out of the playoff and, uh, you know, they're, they're in trouble here because they still have Oregon and Washington still left on their schedule. So they, uh, they, they kind of shocked a lot of people, but I, I wasn't shocked at all that they had trouble with Utah on Saturday. Three other things I want to ask you about very quickly here, and, and you could be brief on your synopsis. Florida State beats Duke. I think if Leonard is healthy, it's not an 18-point game. Don't know if Duke wins necessarily, but I'd love to see a healthy Leonard against Florida State. Uh, the Knowles, look, you just got to win, but are, are they? would they be on the outside looking in if the playoffs started today? I think I think the Knowles are in the playoff right now. Now okay. I think they're going to lose. I think they're going to lose a game here at the end of the year. I don't think they're going to go undefeated, but I think they're in the playoff right now. Okay, uh, do, uh, North Carolina losing to Virginia. I mean that was pretty bad. Fraud. Yeah, I, I thought they'd be okay. I thought they'd be okay until the end of the schedule. Maybe lose one or two. Did not think they'd lose to Virginia at home, but that obviously showed they were sleepwalking through that game. And they didn't prepare the right way, so they uh, they lost that one, and and still a couple a couple weeks here till they get to a tougher part of their schedule. But I mean, they're they're at they're at a risk here now of losing two or three games after losing a game they should have won. So they blew up their playoff chances. All right, uh, you you thought Penn State would handle Ohio State? Ohio State wins. What you got to say now about the Buckeyes? Well, the biggest test for them, a lot of pressure off their back for a few weeks, but they've got to win at Michigan or else they can go 11-1 and one and you know maybe still go to a playoff and go to a big bowl game, but that's the game that matters. So as a good first step, they protected home field, but the game against Michigan at Ann Arbor is going to be their season. Listen to Sonny giving Ohio State props. It turns his stomach to do that. All right, the great Jay Sunhalder <laughs> with us. Uh, I know you got to go. All right, my brother. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. That is Jay Sunholder. And when we come back, we will uh, have our pirate report. Philip the Ref Pilkington and I will uh, give you the numbers and narrate everything uh, that happened in the postgame comments. Uh, Pilk will have an update. And uh, later on, Dimitri Ravanos on the PJ Show. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. So 
Well, we will continue uh, our coverage of ECU and uh, Charlotte as far as the fallout here on an overreaction uh, Monday. Patrick Johnson, Philip the Rep Pilkington alongside, coming up later on in the uh, program. Dimitri Ravanos, Pilk will get us to the finish line. And uh, we will uh, also have, coming up at the top of the hour here on 94.3 The Game, inside Pirate Athletics, Coach Houston will uh, be there. And we'll hear from him in a moment in the postgame. And we'll, uh, I, I, I've got some correspondence that John Gilbert will be there, so we may have a segment or two with John Gilbert uh, on the radio tonight. Steve and I go, and uh, yours truly will be there. All right, uh, you know, I, look, I'm like the rest of uh, you fans in that it's very disappointing to lose to Charlotte. The offense was uh, just dreadful, and it is already a challenged offense. They had an awful day, and uh, we'll see what, what they do. I thought a lot of what Sonny had to say made some some sense. We'll see what winds up happening. The defense was unbelievable to be out there over 41 minutes and, you know, pretty much hold Charlotte in check. You know, the the, the offense was no good. Special teams in some aspects didn't execute. And uh, because of all that, that's why you end up uh, losing. And uh, just the futility on offense right now is uh, it's, 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 uh, Frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Okay. Uh, Pilk, let's go through as many of these cuts as we can here. Uh, let's start with Coach Houston. This was his opening statement to the media after the game. Obviously really disappointed in uh, the ending of the ball game and not being able to get the win. Um, you know, it's uh, I, 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 I thought that it would be a, uh, a close game. They've been in a lot of those just like us this year. Um, we had our opportunities. We did, we did not play great in the first half. Um, you know, we've got to do a better job there. But uh, I thought the kids, uh, you know, the second half, they, they played very hard to give us a chance. Um, but we were not able to, you know, to convert and uh, take advantage of some opportunities right there. And, uh, you know, that's you got to do that in order to win that ball game. Coach also talked about uh, the decision in the fourth uh, to go to Alex Flynn. I felt like Alex at that point uh, gave us the best chance uh, to win the ball game. And uh, so, and he, he did respond and uh, did some really good things. And he, you know, had, had some stuff that uh, he's got to improve on also. But, uh, you know, just trying to do, get the, get the right kids on the field to give us the best chance to win. Uh, Pilk, you know, they, Mason was out there for three quarters. And the offensive line, I thought, was awful. They seemed to do a better job when Flynn was in there, but I don't know if that was Flynn was getting rid of the ball. I, I don't know what it was, but it just seemed like Garcia had no time. Now he missed some throws. He also had some balls that should have been caught. So, you know, I, I told somebody, you know, Flynn was also the guy that fumbled it and, you know, turned it over with the pick six and kind of sealed that deal. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, flaws in the quarterback position, quite obviously, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I think the thing that also is a little frustrating Pilk, and I want you to chime in on this, you know, is right now there's, I mean, we're, we're no better off with the quarterback position than we were in week one or last week or whenever through these first, uh, seven games. 
I don't know if we're better off at any spot on the offensive line. I mean, you mentioned how Mason was on his backside a lot. Well, we couldn't establish a running game either. That was yep. very frustrating. Obviously, you mentioned the lack of pass blocking. I think I counted three drops in the first two drives, maybe the first three drives, where Mason hit yeah, a kid were a right in the hands. Of, and yeah, a handful of the, drops. Yeah. That, to me, has been the most frustrating part. We're seven weeks of the season. You were Division One college receivers. And I know us, as people who didn't play college football or pro football, should not bag on a kid's talent. They're way more talented than us. But the one thing I will say I was known for was being able to catch the darn ball, and it is not hard to catch the darn football. We've got to quit dropping balls, and that's it's not on the coaching staff or anything. That is 100% on the kids that are on the field. They called him Hans Pilkington back in the day. All right. Uh, Coach Houston, speaking of changes, deciding uh, to change up the offensive line in the second half, here's what he had to say. Had some guys that struggled some in the first half, and so um, you know we had some had some guys that uh, we made some lineup changes there for the second half, and I thought those guys came out and uh, you know gave us a shot. Coach also uh, said Charlotte did their part in stopping the rushing attack. They've stymied a lot of people. Uh, this year in the run game, and I, 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 that, that's a good front that we're facing, good front and good linebackers. Um, you know, I, I didn't think that we responded very good in the first half, uh, and, um, you know, that made it uh, difficult. And uh, we just we just need to do a better job of coaching the kids and preparing them for that and do a better job of uh, giving ourselves a shot there. So, But uh, that's a good defense we faced. Also, uh, Coach talked about the final drive stalling out. We got to do a great job right there. We had the field position to at least have a field goal attempt. I think we were well within his range. Um, you know, we just we've we've got to we got to be better in that situation right there. And that's uh, that's it. You know, I, I hate that it all came down to that one situation. Um, but uh, you know, we had a shot right there. But um, obviously, we got to improve. All right, and uh, last one we'll get from Coach here. We'll get on a couple Shane Calhoun cuts, but. Uh, Mike Houston said the buck stops with him. It's my job to get it fixed. And that's uh, one thing I told the kids in there in the locker room. We're not going to we're not going to start pointing fingers. We're not going to start just trying to find somebody to blame. Um, it's my responsibility to to take care of things. And uh, so I've got to look at everything and I've got to make the decisions that are best to give our program a, a shot to uh, be successful. All right. Uh one of the positives I thought from the uh, game, again, was the defense. Sensational. Uh, had good starting field position for that score. But uh, only one penalty in the game for ECU. Think about where that was three or four weeks ago. So, uh, Shane Calhoun talked about the Pirates just committing one penalty. Always. You know, over the last couple of weeks, penalties have been a big emphasis in practice in the games. You know, obviously, we got to cut down on the you know, pre-snap, post-snap snuff. But, um, you know, I think with one penalty, obviously we're moving in the right direction. So hopefully we can just keep that up. Shane also said it was good to find the end zone. It's always good to find the end zone. I think it was a good catalyst for, you know, positive energy on the sideline. So um, I think it got us going a little bit. So I think that was the best thing about it. A couple more here from Shane Calhoun. He says uh, this is frustrating because he knows how good this team can be. You know, I think it's been frustrating just knowing um, how good we can be. Obviously, we've shown flashes in you know, all the games we've been in, but you know, we just got to come together and play a complete game as often. And you got to feel for a guy like him and some of these others uh, being an upperclassman in this situation. I mean, I think as upperclassmen, it's always my job to keep the standard. Um, a lot of the guys on offense haven't played in games where we've been close before, so... 
um, it's on me to keep the energy up and keep telling guys like we're always in the game, things like that. You know, I think that's the big thing here. Uh, Pilk is, can this, uh, can the older guys, the guys who have maybe been through some of the lean times and enjoyed the good times of the last couple of years, uh, can they, can they hold this group of younger guys together? Cause we're in such a nuke it society when it comes to quick fixes and all that. Uh, you know, I, you just, you got to keep, you got to keep this thing insulated right now. And there are major problems. There are real issues, but uh, you've got to find a way to, I guess, kind of play through that. That to me would be the big question. You know, can, can, can the leadership on this team and the coaches in their respective rooms keep this group together? Yeah, you would hope so. And like you said, the fact that some of these older guys have been through the tough times, you know, when they came in, uh, Mike Houston had just got here, but uh, there's still a lot of Scotty Moe kids. They weren't winning. So they've already been that way. They've learned from other guys. And I think sometimes some of these older guys, when they were younger guys, they were doing it because I think there was a lack of chemistry with some of the guys that were older at that time that were Scotty right, Moe recruits. Right. And uh, I think right. that guys like Jeremy Lewis, Shane Calhoun are very mature beyond their years. And if anybody can do it, they can. And let me give a shout out to, to uh, Rajay Harris. Uh, you know, he took some slings and arrows from some idiotic comments from, you know, people that, you know, are trying to impress a few dozen people. Uh <laughs> And, and voice invent their frustration, which I'm all for fans doing. Um, I'm not oblivious to any of this and you pay your money, you know, and it's a hard economy right now. And it's a hard, you work hard for your money. So, I mean, you, you should be able to express yourself as you see fit. Uh, I don't agree with how some people express themselves, but I mean, you should be able to express yourself. I, I I've never been one of those that, you know, would, would say anything contrary. I've been consistent with that. But, uh, you know, Rajay Harris, who I think is still not quite there yet, and, and he may, who knows if he, you know, maybe he's worked and he's been loyal and he's busted his ass, but it's just a tough, uh, it's a tough deal, man, with uh, that injury coming back from it, you know, but he, he's still hanging in there. And, uh, you know, you hope guys like that and these older guys you mentioned, Pilk, will get, uh, you know, be able to go out and maybe on a higher note. Uh, they'll try to begin that trend. They've got three of their last five on the road. Uh, and uh, that'll include Saturday against Texas San Antonio, a 3.30 uh, game. 12.30 will be on with Pirate Game Day Countdown. Okay. We'll uh, take a timeout. We'll talk some more college football with uh, Dimitri Rivanos the Young Gun podcast about Bryce Young, but uh, the uh, avid, avid college football enthusiast. So we'll uh, talk to him. He's always a great guest. And uh, we'll do that right after you hear this. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. The Pirates fell to Charlotte over the weekend, and Coach Houston talked about the locker room after the game. Disappointed. Um, but again, the, you know, the one thing I stressed to them is, you know, I told them I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I want uh, to see them have success so badly. I, I do think that, uh, you know, they, they want it too. I mean, it's not like they don't. So um, and we all want it. 
The Pirates will be back in action this Saturday against UTSA. Game will start at 3.30. Network coverage at 2.30. And our Bush Light Pirate Game Day countdown can be heard right here on 94.3 The Game at 12.30 Eastern. Yesterday, the Pirates fell behind too early on the pitch, but rallied back to draw North Texas as they had second-half goals from Samantha Moxie and Abby Sowa. The Pirates will be back in action this Thursday against Charlotte at 7 o'clock on Senior Night right here in Greenville. So head on over to Johnson Stadium. Admission is free. Yesterday, the New England Patriots defeated the Buffalo Bills 29-25, giving Bill Belichick his 300th career win. He joins Don Shula and Papa Bear George House as the only ones in the 300-win club. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report and Sports Flash update. On the other side of this timeout, we will be joined by Dimitri Romanos to talk all things football with the P-Man. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. All right. uh, We are getting you ready for uh, Inside Pirate Athletics coming up at the top of the hour with uh, Coach Houston. John Gilbert uh, will be there tonight. We may speak with John on the program as well. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Pirate Nation wants to hear from the uh, AD of the uh, ECU Pirates. Of course, Philip the Ref Pilkington is producing the show today, and uh, we are uh, getting you ready for game week, ECU and Texas San Antonio, the uh, Pirates and Roadrunners from the Alamo Dome 330. Uh, We'll be on the air at 1230 with Pirate Game Day Countdown. I don't know if they want us to fill the uh, half hour before, but that's what Pilkington will be here for. It'll be the Pilkington Power half hour. If we have to do, that, if we have to do that, are you ready for that, Pilk? Always, always ready. Yeah. Or do we have Dimitri yet? No, he, not yet. Okay. Well, we'll tap dance and Pilk for the for the radio audience. You may have to uh, you may have to uh, come up with uh, some creative editing for that group, right? Might have to. We'll we'll see what happens. You, you may have to. So we're uh, live on video now, and we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get um, Dimitri on here in just a little bit. We uh, are gonna have Jason Alder on the radio show today, also, and uh, that will come your way with uh, with the program when it uh, commences at five o'clock uh, today. So this is the beauty of live broadcasting, and uh, we're and being on a time crunch. So let me know when we get there, Pilk. Will do. Will do. What, uh, what were your thoughts on the game this weekend, Patrick? You know, uh, so I watched it uh, from the club. Shout out Cy Seymour. Pilk, you know I have three thresholds. You do. In order to go to an event, and two of the three must be met. Let's review. One, tickets off the shoulder. Two, uh, close by parking. Three, a catered meal. And I was gifted the tickets, which I'm extremely grateful for. So that was one. The off the shoulder was taken care of there. The catered meal was taken care of there. By the way, Dimitri's and, getting a kick out of this. He just got on. I think he's really enjoying and this. I'm a close it's close parking. Dimitri, you know that I don't go anywhere unless the three threshold two of the three thresholds are met, right? 
Off the shoulder uh, tickets. Is, uh, yeah. Off the shoulder tickets, close by parking, and a catered meal. I had all three this weekend. So that's why I the, went to the homecoming game. The only time uh, I have been invited to join the Johnson family at a football game. I recall having to walk no more than four blocks to the stadium and Patrick Johnson being downright indignant about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This will be for the radio segment here. The magic of radio. Philip the ref Pilkington will take care of it. And here we go in three, two, and one for the radio audience. Three, two, one. We love Dimitri Ravanos. He's one of the bright oh. spots whenever we have had him on the uh, show, and he is back today. Young Guns podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Because of you, I now have a microphone and an earpiece because you sound so much better than I did the last time we had you yeah. on that uh, they have now set me up with this here. And we're still evolving, and I'm going to eventually have the arm and some other stuff. But I just wanted to tell you, I have you to thank for this uh, really, really dynamite setup I've got going now. Well, dare I say, Patrick Johnson, it sounds like the good people of Greenville, North Carolina, have me to thank. <laughs> <laughs> that they do. Dimitri is just so happy today because his Alabama Crimson Tide dismantled the team he might hate with a passion more than Auburn, Tennessee. Uh, I would not go that far, but it, it, it's it's funny. I thought for years that I was over my hatred of Tennessee. Like, there was a time, Patrick, where you were dead on. That was the team that when I was in school at Bama, more than Auburn, way more than LSU, just bedeviled the Crimson Tide. Um, but last year, I was reminded, oh, yeah, it really sucks to lose to this team. And through the first half of Saturday's game, I wondered if anybody wearing a crimson jersey and helmet realized how much it sucked to lose to that team because, boy, it didn't look like they were putting in a ton of effort until the second half. Yet, uh, here we are, Dimitri. You got uh, you got the, the dub. And, uh, you know, what, what do you think of this Alabama? I mean, you have LSU in the West. You have Alabama. Georgia and the SEC, as far as that playoff hopes, or let's just start with the SEC title game. I mean, Alabama's still kind of very much in it, obviously. Yeah, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, they are all very much in it. And if LSU beats Alabama, uh, we're looking, uh, we're on the road to a three way tie. And I have sort of done the math over and over again. And Patrick, it's very likely we could get all the way to tiebreaker number eight, which is just a coin flip. Um, wow. Tiebreaker number seven would have to do with who has the best, who played the East teams with the best cumulative record. And I think. That uh, that LSU would probably be in the best position because it does not look like Mizzou is going away. I, I think they're actually right in the middle of this as well. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, man, it's it's really bunched up. I think that the rumors of Alabama's demise on my part as well were a little bit premature because this defense is elite, elite, and that might be all you need in the SEC this year. You mentioned the playoff. I, I think by reputation alone, the champion of this conference is going to the playoff, but we can't right. rule out it's going to be as the number four seed this year. So I think um, you're right on with with the SEC. Um, I think we've got the Big 12 should have somebody, right? I mean, as we sit here now, I, if it started tomorrow, we'd have a Big 12 representative, right? Um, 
I think so. I mean, let me put it this way. Should they? Yeah. Um, I would think that if it if it is Oklahoma and they went out and go undefeated, mm-hmm. I think you've got a decision to make between Oklahoma and Florida State. To me, yeah, Georgia, right. Mich- Michigan especially. Like, I think Michigan and Washington are the two best teams I've seen this year. Right. I think yeah. the winner of the SEC, let's say it's Georgia, is probably it. And then you've got a decision to make between Florida State and Oklahoma if they go undefeated. If Oklahoma doesn't go undefeated, no, the, the Big 12 doesn't deserve a, uh, a team in the playoff this year. Will Florida State go undefeated? Yeah, I think so. I, I think okay. I, I got to be honest, Patrick. I was surprised. I, I was surprised that Duke gave as much of a fight as they did uh, on Saturday. That was the last best shot I think they're going to get from anybody this season. And I think if Riley Leonard Dimitri uh, had been healthy, it's probably a much. It's a but. I'm not saying Duke wins, but it's a much closer game, right? No, I, I'm with you. I don't believe Duke was going to win that game. I don't believe they were going to hold up. But yeah, you're right. Like it doesn't turn into a multi-score, comfortable kind of affair if Riley Leonard not only stays healthy enough to stay in, but is also healthy enough to lo- use his legs effectively. Which I, I didn't get the sense what that he really was the entire game. Dimitri Ravanos, the Young Guns podcast. It's everywhere you download your podcast, and uh, they've got to deal with Raycom. Remind everybody of of that. It's Raycom Podcasts that uh, you got that produces or or distributes your guys' podcast as well. Dimitri, no sir, not not uh, not correct. Not even uh, close. We are not even not close. even not even remotely close. <laughs> the deal with Raycom is, hey, why don't you guys do all the work and we'll make some money off of it? Uh, no, we are. On, yeah, they distribute uh, we, it. Yeah, they're, they're a distributor. distributor. Yeah, yeah, their their deal is why don't you you Dimitri and Lauren do all the work and we will sell commercials right. and take all of that money. Uh, we are okay. on their uh, their fast channel Origin Sports. So if you have Samsung okay. TV Plus, Roku, Zumo, uh, Amazon Freebie, I, which I'm surprised so many people have Amazon Freebie. Uh, those are uh, just look up look for Origin Sports. We're on every Tuesday night at seven p.m. And let me tell you this, Dimitri. This sounds like uh, when I worked for CSET and had to sleep on couches when I'd go do games. That's what this operation sounds like. Yeah. All right. North Carolina, fraud, they're, they're a fraud, right? Or, do, or is this Dean Smith descending from heaven saying it's time for basketball? Uh, <laughs> Patrick Johnson, why can, why can it not be both? I, I don't know <laughs> that they were a straight-up fraud. I think this season in college football, if you have a legit quarterback, that might be all you need. Nobody seems particularly awesome this year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to lose to that Virginia team, boy, I, you know, it's funny. Last week, uh, my partner, Lord Brownlow, asked me if it was uh, bothering me that UNC was ranked ahead of Alabama. And I reminded her that, hey, Alabama basketball was ranked ahead of UNC for a while, too. And then when it counted, <laughs> boy, did that not hold up. So, so give it some time. <laughs> uh, Dimitri Urvanos is with us. Uh, we love Dimitri. Okay. Um, on your podcast, you that, talked by the way, about felt the like a very, uh, that felt like a very Donald Trump introduction. Dimitri Urvanos is with us. We love Dimitri. He kind of did, I guess. Dimitri Ravanos. I like it. Yep. Young Guns podcast. Uh, What do you do this week when there is a an off week? I guess you interview Paul Feinbaum. Is that what happens? Uh, 
Well, the, this last week we interviewed Paul Feinbaum because we were coming off of Tua versus Bryce. And uh, do you think I'm doing that from a Panthers perspective? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but no, like actually not long after you and I are done, Lauren and I are going to record this week. A lot of listener questions uh, and most of them are, why is this so bad and why do you guys keep doing this? Um, and then also, and that's and that's from the distributor with Raycom, actually. That is, yeah, uh, exactly. That is sending you those yeah, emails. Yeah, why do you guys keep putting this on? By the way, it dawned on me today as I was driving home from dropping my kids off that if there is a media narrative that Bryce Young is not a bust, like that is solely Raycom behind that media narrative. Uh, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like a, a lot of it is sort of addressing. What we're seeing through the first half, because I totally understand why fans are put off, why fans are questioning not just the Panthers, but Bryce specifically. I understand it all, but I also hope they understand that, like, we're not even halfway into his first season yet, man. I mean, the Texans captured lightning in a box. Hey, Stroud is really good. Like, I don't want to take that away from him. But C.J. Stroud and the Texans kind of captured lightning in the bottle. Let's not kid ourselves. They seem to have a more competent coaching staff, despite the fact that uh, D'Amico Ryans has never been a head coach before. Also, Bama guy, probably not a coincidence. Uh, But, you know, the (laughs) other part of this, too, is that those two teams play each other this week. So I I don't think we can avoid talking about the fact that so many people in Charlotte are doing these Stroud to Bryce comparisons. And remember, Patrick, like there were plenty of people that wish they had taken C.J. Stroud instead. So we fully expect to hear from them all week long. All right. I mentioned Feinbaum because I was surprised in one of the clips you posted to hear Feinbaum basically say not so much that Bryce Young is a bust, but he's just been very disappointing. And I thought that was kind of refreshing coming from Feinbaum. I, I actually thought that was and his rationale was really insightful on it. So um, were you surprised at that answer? I am only because, and look, I mean, Feinbaum has been associated with Alabama as somebody that has covered the team for a long time. He obviously doesn't have the emotional connection to the team that I do. You know, I I think because we kind of get in our cocoon of being angry with the Panthers, and I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about anybody that has followed this team for any extended period of time. We lose sight of the fact that these guys are professionals. And as much as I may like Bryce, like maybe it's not fair to Frank Reich. Maybe it's not fair to that defense that at times is really going out there and making some plays that we just keep saying, oh, remember the guy's a rookie. Oh, remember the guy doesn't have much help. I mean, he clearly has found uh, at least two receivers that he really trusts. He seems to have a lot of, obviously he has a lot of faith in Adam Thielen. I think the amount of times he's throwing to Jonathan Mingo, despite the few catches that Jonathan Mingo has, tells you he has some belief in Jonathan Mingo. Yeah, the run game is letting him down, but overall, um, I think it is. I think what Paul said was totally fair. Like we should not be looking at Bryce and saying, "Well, it's hopeless because of everybody else." If the Panthers win this week, which would be their first victory, and Young, Correct. who has I thought the last the last couple times has actually played fairly well, not perfect, but I, I think you can sure. see that he's evolving, and he plays at that same level fairly well to maybe great. Will that change the narrative any at all? I guess for this week and the over or next week and the overreaction, it will. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't know about overreaction. I think it will change the narrative because 
It is. And look, I'm saying this as somebody that is saying these things. I can't imagine how it feels to people listening. Like it is getting exhausting telling people to go look at the advanced stats. Bryce Young is not having bad games. He is on a bad team. Um, You know, it's getting exhausting having to do that justification. So, of course, we all want to see it come to fruition. I, I think if it comes to fruition, I think if some of those dropped passes turn into completions and we see Bryce's not just first victory, but first 300-yard performance uh, in an NFL game, I think that a lot of the doubters will at least... um. Well, at least open their hearts to the idea that this may not be a lost cause. <laughs> the haters. The haters the will haters, have to yes. shut up, won't they? Uh, Dimitri, uh, can we get you back on sometime in the next few weeks? We get into oh, November and we start getting. Okay, no problem. We won't do it. <laughs> and that'll be this will be Dimitri's last go around on the uh, on the show. I do yes, remember of course, Patrick uh, Johnson. All you ever have to do is ask and I'm here for you. Well, I, I, in a few weeks, we'll talk to you because I want to. I will get heavy into college football because I want Dimitri's spin on the on how this is going and where he thinks Alabama will fit into all of this, so we can watch him squirm a little. And <laughs> that's really what I want. That's that's actually I, what I'm aiming for listen, here. Patrick, I told you the champion of this conference is going to go to the college football playoff. And like, have you watched Georgia? I have no reason to believe they are not as flawed as Alabama is right now. I I still think they are just sleepwalking through this thing. I mean, I think they're going to be fine. I think. But, I mean, they just uh, – too many guys on defense, Dimitri. No, for, for sure. What, what concerns me about Georgia, especially with their all-everything tight end Brock Bowers out for uh, a bit here, is um, – I'm not entirely sure what Carson Beck is as a college quarterback. I think there is a reason, given the fact that he was a five-star recruit, I think there is a reason he could never overtake Stetson Bennett for the starting job, and that's going to rear its head at some point. Yeah. It, we've You said it perfectly earlier. We If you have a quarterback, you have a shot. Yeah. And if you don't, this year you are in – I mean, you, you you see where you are. All right, Dimitri, thank you very much. Uh, and everybody, check out the Young Gun Podcast. It'll be tomorrow night, available at 7 p.m. on uh, Origin Sports. And by the way, YouTube, a, an unedited version. Um, do we cuss? No, but it's just longer. <laughs> <laughs> so the, there's not a blooper reel because the bloopers are in the YouTube version. There the, you the go. Bloopers, the bloopers are the show, Patrick Jetson. Uh, as we know, and as we've learned <laughs> the, here already. The blooper today. is tied ourselves to this team for an entire season's <laughs> worth of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was uh, that was a move that uh, have you, rever- have <laughs> yeah, you, you regretted could, it at you, this point. You could stop it right there. That was a move. Yeah, that was uh, that was a move. Yeah, that was a move. That was that was an ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> bold, bold, stra- bold uh, strategy. Cotton is what that was. All right. Hey, Dimitri, thanks a lot. You thank you, PJ. We love Dimitri Ravanos. Great to have him. And we uh, will be back right after this. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome in here to the final segment as we wrap up the Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Patrick is on his way over to tiebreakers right now for Inside Pirate Athletics. 
with Coach Mike Houston and Stephen Igo. As normal here, we wrap it up on the Monday evening part of the show, the final segment. We're going to talk a little NFL football. Um, no Carolina Panthers this past weekend. They will be in action coming up this week. Uh, 1 o'clock against the Houston Texans. That can be heard on our sister t- station, excuse me, Talk 103.7. Uh, two legends of the Panthers, Musa Muhammad and Julius Peppers, both from that Super Bowl 38 team, will be going into the ring of honor at halftime of that game against the Houston Texans, who are also coming off a bye. So it'll be interesting. The number one overall pick, Bryce Young, against the number two overall pick, C.J. Stroud. Unfortunately, the following week they will be playing the Colts, but no Anthony Richardson, who was also a pretty high pick there as far as quarterbacks go, but he is on the IR. So looking back at yesterday, as we mentioned during our update, the Patriots with a big win over division rival Buffalo that puts Bill Belichick at 300 career wins, only George Hallis, the arguable one of the founders of the NFL, Papa Bear, as they call him up in Chicago, and uh, the legendary Don Shula with more wins than Bill Belichick, and he should pass both of those guys most likely. So congratulations to Coach Belichick. Moving on, um, the teams who had struggled throughout the year actually looked pretty good. One in five teams coming into yesterday only lost one game. Uh, Those wins came from the Chicago Bears, who knocked off the Raiders. Bears and Raiders both now gave on a backup quarterback, but a little more of a notable backup quarterback for the Raiders. They had Brian Hoyer, who you've at least heard of. The Bears quarterback was Tyson Badgent. He is a rookie out of Shepherd College. And uh, he came in, got the start, first NFL start, and the Bears grabbed a win over the Raiders. Other teams who came in 1-5 and five that left the day victorious, the Giants beat the, um, the team I still call the Redskins, 14-7. Uh, you may call them the Commanders, the football team, or some other dopey name they've come up with over the years. And then the 1-5 and five Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, defeated the Green Bay Packers. Only uh, team that came in with only one win that was not victorious yesterday was the Arizona Cardinals. I do have to give one shout-out to a Cardinals player. My high school teammate, Garrett Williams, made his NFL debut yesterday. He's a rookie out of Syracuse, and he got his first-ever NFL interception picking off um, uh, Geno Smith in that one. So congratulations to you, Garrett, and uh, hopefully more great things to come for him. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Panthers do this week. We're going to be interesting to see how that buy affects them. It's going to be interesting to see the new play caller now that head coach Frank Reich will no longer be calling plays. Will we see a new offense? And, you know, right now, Panther fans can only hope there is some changes. They've up 42 points in each of their last two games. Defense has got to get it together. Uh, obviously lost another body last week as Jeremy Chin is now on the IR. He's supposed to be out for about six weeks. So a lot of rough stuff going on in Charlotte, and hopefully you don't want to go in 7 You're getting towards halfway point of the season that, at that point. I don't think this team's going over on the year. If I think if they did go over, they'd be the best over team ever. I think they're much better than the 77 Bucks or 
the Giants, or sorry, the Lions from a handful of years ago, or even the, the Browns when they didn't win a game. But you'd really hate to see them go over. But I think this is a big opportunity this week. Yeah, the Texans have been maybe one of the pleasant surprises of the league, but both teams coming off a bye. We'll see what happens. So hopefully the Panthers can pull it off this week. Once again, you can hear that on Talk 103.7. Um, not sure what channel the games will be on TV. I can't remember if it's be Fox or CBS, but uh, hopefully the Panthers can do it there. That'll about do it for our show today as we are getting ready to wrap it up here. We do have, as we mentioned, Inside Pirate Athletics after this show here, top of the hour. Coach Mike Houston will be in to talk to Patrick Johnson and Stephen Igo about uh, everything to go on in Pirate football right now. Pirates coming off that loss to Charlotte. They will be traveling to UTSA to take on the Roadrunners this week, another new team to the American Athletic Conference. So, we're all excited to see how that one goes. That game will be at 3.30 Eastern Time. Network coverage will start at 2.30. And our Bushlight Pirate Game Day countdown will start at 12.30 right here on 94.3 The Game. So be sure to tune into that. We'll have all the normal uh, hosts of that show, all the normal personalities. We're at Patrick Johnson, of course, along with Terrence Copper, our guy Joey Football. We'll probably get a, a visit from Stephen Igo on that one as well. So be sure to tune into that and uh, be sure to tune in. Tomorrow to our show here on uh, the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game at 5 o'clock. So we want to thank all of our participants today. We had uh, Jay Sunhalter. We had um, Dimitri Ravanos. Thanks to our guy Patrick Johnson for doing the first three segments of the show and tossing it over to me for the wrap-up here as he makes his way on over to Tiebreakers. So stay tuned in right here for Inside Pirate Athletics or head over to Tiebreakers and... Uh, See it in person. They've got a great stage set up there now uh, inside there for uh, Coach Houston as well as our guys. So thanks once again. I'm Philip Pilkins, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday afternoon, Pirate Nation.